four years of my time, one crore of capital. I agreed if I don't solve for it, I'll be back sitting on the shop and doing this. That's the deal Muthun Sacheti struck with his family as he set out to set up Carrot Lane, and it was not an easy road. I used to go begging to every VC in Bangalore every single month, and every month they say good progress, come back next month, and nothing would happen. No dazzling offers in a diamond and rough state that way until I got a LinkedIn request saying, "Hey, I'm Tiger Global, run 14 billion dollars, a fund this size. Why don't you come and see us?" I missed out to go and see it because I frankly thought it's a Nigerian scam. From that to a mega investment from Tiger to getting Tata's to the table to a dazzling exit with dizzying valuations. This is the story of Carrot Lane. From 500 odd crores to a whopping 17,000 crores in under eight years. In a candid conversation with ET Samita Sharma, Mithun Sacheti reveals it all: the hunt for funds, the clarity from market veterans such as Rakesh Junjunwala and Ram Deogarwal, and the much-talked-about valuation debate with the Tatas. And what's next? A fund and possibly an NBFC. It's August 25th and you're listening to the dizzying diamond story of Carrot Lane here on the Morning Brief. Congratulations from selling to strategic titan in 2016 and now a full exit. How's it been like? Take us through the twists and turns till you signed off the deal. Let me draw back a little bit to a few years back on this, maybe seven, eight years back, and I'll tell you my thought process at that point. 2008 end when I started Carrot Lane, my background and my entire experience was that of running a family shop called Jaipur Gems, the business out of Bombay. I was a shopkeeper. I started from there. and then there was this feeling that i make great jewelry but you know i serve and all family jewelers in india actually design jewelry for the classes they want to go higher and higher up in their average selling price all their lives they feel like the rich customer is the one who they want to sell to or super rich customer and that's when they feel they've arrived they don't feel it by the volume of customers that they serve at all yeah. that's just not even an understanding in their mind I moved to Chennai to build that over here when I was 21. Chennai, Coimbatore, Dubai is what we built. Except after that, then I realized that the number of customers I was serving was 3,000. It's not a per store, you know. It's not a exciting number yeah. when you think about it from what it takes to sort of build a business. You make beautiful jewelry. You go meet people. Everybody keeps telling you, "Oh, it's great jewelry, but it's expensive." And uh, that used to irritate the life out of me. That you know, everybody would tell me that. And so I decided, okay, I got to do something differently. And the best way to do that is on the internet. That's how Caratlin was born in 2008, as such. When I started out, I didn't realize the kind of money it will take. You're sort of naive at that point, and you sort of jump into it and start the business into it. Nor did I realize that what challenges will come forward. You just think it's your birthright. You build a business, somebody will come and buy. What were your reference points in 2008 for something like this? I had no reference point at all in India. I was looking at, you know, Blue Nile was a business in America, and yeah. that was one reference point that I was looking at. Nothing really other than that. My exposure levels were very low, Samita. I was not so exposed that I really knew what is out there. I just knew the power of the internet as a user. 
I didn't know it as a business builder as such. Yeah. And I knew the power of what I wanted to create. I felt that jewelry was always going to be this image-based thing. And I had read enough to say that images would become dominant over conversations on the internet over a period of time. Basically, just jumped in head on without thinking too much. You know, it's one of those things you do in your 20s that you don't think like all the way through to the end and sort of jump into it. But first year, I realized very early that I need to stay in this business long. That's when I'm going to be able to solve for it because it's not so easy. It's not like just because I opened a website, people are going to start buying as well. So we built a B2B relationship with Titan. And that B2B relationship with Titan really was very, very handy for me at that point because it solved for cash flow. Because the total investment I have made in the business is 75 lakhs. And so I needed money. And, you know, this is, I had agreed with my family to also 75 lakhs in four years of my time. That's just how we very, built the very, business. Uh, very ambitious goals. Like, <laughs> actually, yeah, you know, the thing is when you come from a successful business, everybody yeah. says, why do you need to do this? Yeah, and that's what you're looking to solve as well. And so yeah. that was my problem. That I was wondering, I mean, how to convince my family that I'm running a super successful jewelry store in Chennai. Why am I trying to do this? So four years of my time, one crore of capital. I agreed if I don't solve for it, I'll be back sitting on the shop and doing this. In that time, I got this relationship with Titan, which helped me build my B2B business. I would help them sell solitaires to their consumers, a product they had very little idea of. So all Tanish stores had an internet pipe, which gave them real-time inventory of what solitaire they can sell. And I would source them anywhere in the world and procure and deliver it to them real time in five days. So we built that model for them in 2011. That gave us our first big sense of revenue, 30, 35 crores we got. And we knew that from that point on, we will be able to sort of build a business out. 2011 end, we got lucky. We raised money from Tiger Global. Really, frankly, I used to go begging to every VC in Bangalore every single month. And every month, they'll say, good progress, come back next month, and nothing would happen. And typical leaf fiction style, I got a LinkedIn request saying, hey, I'm Tiger Global, run $14 billion, a fund this size, why don't you come and see us? I missed out to go and see it because I frankly thought it's a Nigerian scam. (laughs) 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 And And it's very hard to find things on, I mean, now in the past five, six years, there's so much being written about, actually last eight years. But I'm assuming in 2011, you couldn't find anything on Tiger Global and Leaf Fixed. Samida, there was no website of Tiger Global. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to Delhi and I've been at it for one year with Nexus, with Helion, with Axel, with everybody. Trying to raise money for a year and meeting them every month. And uh, whatever, Sharpalo and every other fund that was there around at those times. And they they also say, great progress come next month. And I remember Nexus had just told us, yeah, we'll give you a term sheet next month. I mean, I didn't even understand, but I thought that was great. I'm getting closer to it. And then yeah. comes this, this guy, signs Flipkart, signs Mintra, signs everybody. And so yeah. I go to Delhi to meet him. One hour into it, I swear he had more data about my business than I had about my own. And then we agreed that he gave me a $6 million term sheet. And, um, you know, after that, there was no looking back. How did your family react to this? I mean, they would not know. No, no, they didn't accept of Tiger it. Global. Yeah, no, they didn't know. And they thought there is something wrong with this. Nobody gives money like this. Yeah. I had to fly to New York because there's no website, right? Yeah. Go to his office, meet Chase Coleman, meet Julian Robertson, who basically yeah. started Tiger at yeah. that point. Yeah. And that one day and verify that this is a true fund, you know. Wow. <laughs> and then I did this transaction. It was a day trip to New York. I reached in the morning, stayed at some days in. I still remember I had lunch with him and Chase Coleman. 
at night i flew back to india just to confirm to my family that this is a true business out there so that's really how they reacted and we sort of got going that 6 million was your first external raise right that's yes it was that was it big was, at yeah. that time that was a large check i mean yeah that was a large check but not many people had 40 crores of revenue also at that point right so though my revenue was b2b but i still had revenue and others didn't have something like that either or so most people were taking pre revenue or just after product launch pmf sort of they were raising money and uh, because i solved for cash flow early i was hmm. able to sustain it for significantly longer post 2011 what was the trajectory so our consumer business was about 12 crores at that point hmm. we had this b2b business both put together we were at about 40 crores approximately in terms of revenue in uh, 2012 and then business kept growing steadily till 2016 there were two more rounds of funding totally we raised about 50 million from them so tiger was uh, your sole investor right i had only one investor i didn't believe in two investors but how was it like on the business side at this stage e-commerce was still sort of fledgling but there were a lot of other startups which were coming up in the space If you looked at the number of users, I was always going to have a small number of users because that's the nature. I'm at a million customers this year, but whereas all these guys would talk about such large numbers that, and my rate of change in my industry was slow. Rate of change in their industries was much faster, so I had to pace myself for that. And I realized in the 13-14 time after raising money, I was chasing their rate of growth, which mm-hmm. was relevant for their industry. And I think I burned unnecessary amount of money at that point chasing to try and be like. Mintra, BN, like yeah. Flipkart or anything like that. I could never be like them, yeah. and I had to realize that. And so, in fifteen, you know, Bhaskar Bhatt came to Chennai one day, and he came to see Carrot Lane. And I would ask him every time. I'd like send a message across to him, like we're around. We'd love for Titan to participate. Then he visited our office, and he saw all the the way we thought about business was very different from the way Titan thought about business or Tanish thought about business. and so he really liked that and then at the end of the day he felt like this is the place i want to invest cuz he felt the first time he had visited a jewelry business where he was learning something as well hmm. and uh, and they had a different way of doing it. and he told me he reiterated that back to me today so that's why it's fresh in my memory once again and he said it was a no brainer for us then to do the deal and so i had to convince lee fixel who had just put 30 million in sort of take an exit at that point it was tiger was, keen on exiting at that point no no they were not keen on net but i told him that look i think a fund has 10 lives and an entrepreneur has three lives but a business has only 200 crores of capital cannot build the kind of trust that the tata name builds yeah. in a business itself also so yeah. we should really allow them to come in after that we'll build a great business and everybody will see a great outcome he agreed to it after that email was like an emotional plea but somewhere along these situations of flipkart etc he needed to show some exits etc so he decided instead of staying he'll exit the whole thing as it is and so that's how in 2016 we were 140 crores of revenue and titan came in and they bought 64% and change of the business so what is the valuation 2000- of the company 563 to be precise actually and you were loss making at this point yes we were loss making samida we were about uh, maybe 30 35 crores a year loss making at that point But there was a turning point somewhere uh, in terms of the way you ran your business. How did it sort of unfold? So that's the interesting part of this journey. In uh, 2016, when this transaction happened, I met my mentor, friend, uh, consigliere Rakesh Junjunwala through Titan, 
and i first thing i remember getting there and he was like what is the nonsense i don't believe in these loss making businesses etc all that stuff but yeah. over a period of time i explained how this can make money and it made sense to him and he sort of backed me a lot then after that 2018 17 i went to him as you ask you know it's very difficult to work with a strategic and i was really struggling working with titan i was not able to find my feet in the company and two people one was bhaskar and the second was irina vittal who was on the board of titan both mm. i went to for counsel on that bhaskar invited a couple of other people that day for ramesh damani and uh, uh, ramdev agarwal yeah. illustrious people of the market yeah. and, and then ramdev agarwal explained about how companies who do 30% growth over a five year period do a massive compounding on the business even so i went there to thinking to tell him that i might want to sell my stake in caritlane and he convinced me and i went home and my co-founder and me both were unhappy he was not operating the business he was more giving me counsel and he said no you can create value and if i recall correctly your uh, co-founder shrinivasa gopalan also sold his stake and and you bought it over i borrowed money to buy that i had enough 5 rupees in my pocket but i borrowed 50 crores to buy him out so wow. he had invested 26 lakhs and he left with 50 crores then at that point wow. So we started building from that point on new energy, new everything. 2018, we wanted to raise some money from Titan. We raised 99 crores. We were about 414 crores in revenue at that point. So we had obviously done well for ourselves from 140 to 414 in two years. Hmm. But loss making, and that I realized at that point that loss making businesses in the high zone strategic don't get great value. And so they invested at about 900 crores. We were disappointed by. Realize that day. Then now, from this point on, I'm only going to build a profitable business. And in that, I must say that the current MD of Titan Venkat was extremely helpful in terms of helping me understand what focus I need to have to make this whole business profitable. And that was a watershed moment for us. From that point on, we've managed this, you know, 55% Kager and compounded our business. Where well, last year we did 160 crores of EBIT. and about 2200 crores of revenue what a strategic bings which a fund doesn't bring to your business is mm. absolute focus on the health of a business whereas what a fund brings to you is absolute focus on scaling your business the fund is such a short tenured partner in your journey from kanyakumari to kashmir that he gets in in madras and he gets off in bombay whereas these guys will make me get off now and they'll continue running this across as well also and that fundamentally is a big difference in value creation so yeah. what you see as value creation has happened because of that and that understanding role that both bhaskar bhat played and venkat played without that i don't think we would have been where we are as well also. we spoke elaborately on on this when i had spoken to you first about the tata deal while i know valuation was not a consideration but over the past few months there has been a lot of back and forth and they had appointed a banker how was this valuation derived at methun it was a negotiated value see the bankers by themselves in a role like this actually there's no role of a banker at first because mm-hmm. if you think about it, the buyer and seller are known to each other yeah so there isn't one yeah. i have never sold a business in life and titan has never bought anything like this either also yeah, so yeah. bank of america on their side was guiding them you know but there were so much of public multiples available on caritlane because in the summer parts of titan that data is available we were clear that we had to be closer to that and as a buyer they have a prerogative to basically negotiate right so the negotiation was on and it was unnecessarily becoming loud 
it sounded like it's a war lit it was nowhere close to that when we sat in the room the principals which is bhaskar bhat noel representing tatas and me sat in the room the entire discussion took 7 minutes the rest of the 53 minutes we were talking about aviation and us and economy and everything else which is going on but now everything is done you've signed the deal um what next um i mean you've been investing uh, is is there a plan to sort of uh, launch a fund uh, is that in the pipeline um any new venture lined up scott fitzgerald said that beautifully when you're in your 20s you see the world from top of a mountain every opportunity is a rolling stone and i am now in my 40s and it's like i sit in a cave and all i want to do is protect what i have and so i want to find the right opportunity and one great advice that kunal shah gave me the cred that he said that you're going to feel like shit after two days are over and then don't make any decisions for the next three months sit and wait and then deal with it no big decisions figure out all the stuff that you didn't do with with your friends and family around and focus on all that so i finally i just want to deal with all that stuff right now don't want to think about beyond these two things right now which is investing through a fund and the oro business this is a bfc that we are trying to create around gold lending storage which is uh, lockers on that do you lend from a book of yes. yours yeah uh, we are building our book now just waiting for the nbfc license so what is the, this fund structure is, is it more like a family office or like what, what is it it's evolving at this point uh, samida what i'm trying to figure out is uh, one of course be large lpn sponsor in fund but i don't think i have the skill sets to be a gp yet on mm. something like that so I work with smart people who sort of build this out how is the fund structure are you going to have like different vehicles no not yet not not overthought that whole thing now i think it's too early to have done a lot of that stuff at this point it is to uh, but yes my deep desire is to get into that side of it which is uh, investing through a structure and hopefully some day be qualified enough to take that route deeper after months and months of headlines of funding winter governance issues delayed and dismissed ipos carrot lane has definitely added the glam back to startup street and all eyes will remain on mithun and what he does next with the kitty he's packed in but the spotlight definitely now shifts to the tata group and what titan does with the much discussed buy Many like JM Financial argue that though the 2900% jump in valuations are eye catching, Titan still managed to grab Carrotlane cheaper than the street was anticipating, pegging the valuations north of 24000 crores. Cheap or expensive is moot, and now all that matters is the balance sheet as e-commerce continues to grab market share in the jewelry business. This is definitely a lane Titan wanted to cut into and fast at any cost. But will it continue to shine? Well, only time can give clarity with that it's a wrap on this edition of the morning brief podcast a shout out to the team that put this together indreel bhattacharya on sound producer sumit pandey executive producers arijit anirban and your host for today anupriya nayar on that note have a great weekend and you'll hear back from us on tuesday <laughs>